the Way City Church, located in Woodbridge, Virginia, is led by Pastor Marlon Yearwood and exists to reach the lost and disciple the believer. Good morning and thank you so much for joining us today and for those who are joining us online. We're very grateful for you, for your online presence as well, and we're looking forward to the day that you'll be able to join and worship with us in person. God bless you and thank you for being with us online. I want to thank you guys for, for your faithfulness in this season. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your giving. Um, thank you for your support to The Way City Church. I'm truly uh, enjoying this season that we're in right now as we're getting ready, as we've been studying Ephesians chapter 6, the whole armor of God. I've really been uh, enjoying that. And this morning, we're going to jump right in as we continue to speak about the armor that God is calling you and I to put on. So let's go. Ephesians chapter 6, we're speaking about the whole armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6, the whole armor of God. Verse 10 through 20. Finally, my brethren, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. He's not calling us to be strong within ourselves, but He's calling us to be strong in Him. Put on the whole armor of God. He's not calling us to put on just a piece of armor. There are there are six or seven pieces of the armor, depending on how you count it. And he's not calling us to put on one or five pieces of the armor, but he's calling us to put on every single piece of the armor mentioned in Ephesians chapter 6. The whole armor of God for a reason. We spoke about this um, text is not about the armor, but it's actually about standing. The purpose of the armor is that you may be able to stand. Someone say stand, that you may be able to stand, stand against the wiles of the devil, verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. The, the war that we're in, the battle that we're in, is not against people, it's not against flesh, it's not against physical beings, but it's against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age. It's against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. This is a spiritual war, a spiritual battle that we are in. And we are in this battle whether we choose to be in it or not. Whether we want to be in it or not. We are in a spiritual battle. Therefore, verse 13, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. We'll speak about that a little bit later. And having done all to stand... Verse 14, when you've done all to stand, continue to stand. Therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly, to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Lord, we thank you for Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. And we thank you, Lord, as we often pray, we thank you that your word is living, that your word is alive, that your word breathes, that your word is powerful, that your word is sharp, that your word discerns and tells us what is true and what is not. Your word tells us what to think upon, what to meditate upon, and what not to. We thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. 
We thank you, Holy Spirit, that as we speak today from Ephesians 6, we pray that we would be able to see all that you desire to show to us. We get our minds and our hearts focused on nothing else right now but you and your word. In Jesus' name, we thank you for your word and we thank you for your spirit. Amen. The armor of God is what we're speaking about. As the Apostle Paul is speaking to us about the armor of God inspired by God, as he's speaking to us, inspired by the spirit that's in him, about the armor, he, he would have written this letter to the churches of Ephesus, and he would have written this letter from a Roman prison. Now, as he wrote, Paul would have been guarded more than likely by two Roman soldiers that would have changed shifts every eight hours. And he would have been, um, the, the soldiers, they would have been wearing first century legionary armor. They would have been wearing that. And, and Paul would have seen that. Now, they probably were not wearing the, the full armor, but they would have been wearing at least the first three pieces or so. And the Holy Spirit is, as, as Paul is between these Roman gods all day long, and he's, and he's seeing them, and he's viewing their armor. The Holy Spirit is giving him inspiration, and he's giving him wisdom and he's giving him revelation to speak to the Ephesians and to the church at large about the spiritual battle that we are in today and the spiritual battle that they were in back then. So he used these pieces of armor to minister and bring forth revelation about the spiritual war that we find ourselves in today. And that very same thing happens to us today. Sometimes we're driving down the street, we may see a, a billboard, we may see a commercial on the TV, um, we may hear something and the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom and revelation and speaks to us through things that are around us. And what he speaks obviously lines up with his word and his person, but he speaks to us through things that are around us. So again, Paul would have been chained up by probably two Roman gods and they would have been wearing at least the first three pieces of this armor. And that revelation that the Spirit gave to him, he's bringing forth to us today and to them back then. In Ephesians 6, we, we are taught that there is a spiritual conflict and that God has made provision for us within this spiritual conflict. God has called us to stand firm, not to slip, slide, or fall, not to crouch, sit, or lay. God has called us to stand and to stand firm. He's calling us to be victorious. Now in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 speaks about the evil day. Look at that real quick. Verse 13 speaks about the evil day. The evil day. Let's pause there for a moment. Now, the evil day is not a special event. It's not like a special day recorded in the book of Revelation that's getting ready to happen on a specific day. The evil day is Monday morning at 9 a.m. The evil day is Wednesday afternoon at 4.30. The evil day is Saturday night at 11.45. The evil day will come. The evil day will come. And it may come many times. And it does not warn you or announce its arrival. But it just shows up. And when you're in it, you will know that you are in it. For me, my evil day came during this season of covid 19, and many people will say the same. 
Here we are, a, a brand new church plant that just opened its doors. We had five or six services from launch. Momentum was amazing. Everyone was excited, and then we closed our doors. And everything that I had prepared for and trained for, for the years before, um, didn't prepare me for this season. So it was the evil day for me, and then I'm trying to balance, as a new church plant, what we do. And then in this season, I'm out with my kids one day, and Moses is going down the hill on his scooter without a helmet, and he cracks his head on a rock. There's blood gushing out everywhere, and you can almost, I mean, you can see the bone. And I find myself in the ER with him till late at night, and my son, my seven-year-old, he was seven at the time, my seven-year-old is getting stitches for the first time. And this kind of stuff never happens to us. This stuff never happens to us. That same day that Moses is sick, that Moses gets, gets his head split open, Deborah begins to feel sick. And she's sick for the next few days, so then she goes to the hospital the next week. And then she finds out she has pneumonia. So then she's in hospital for three days with pneumonia, and no one can come and visit her or see her because of the season that we're in. And during this time, we're finding out, because my wife's pregnant, we're finding out there's complications with our son that's, that's in her womb. And we're dealing with that. And then as a few weeks pass on, Deborah goes to the hospital for a regular prenatal checkup. Just a regular checkup, and they say, well, actually, you can't go home. You're going to stay here for the next three days while we monitor you because of complications with the baby. And we need to see um, what's going on. And there is a possibility that on the fourth day, she went in on a Friday, there's a possibility that on Monday we're going to have to deliver this baby. So the weekend passes, they monitor the baby, Monday comes around and they say, we are delivering the baby. So Joshua comes and they deliver our baby and he's two months early. He's, he's nine weeks before his, his due date. So our son comes nine weeks early, and he's in the NICU. And he's in the NICU for eight weeks to the day. Eight weeks, our son's supposed to be home with us. It's an exciting time. And he's supposed to be home with his family, but he's in a, a NICU, in the NICU for eight weeks. And I'm traveling there every single day to see him and spend time with him and to pray with him. And with all of this going on, they're, they're monitoring him because of complications, and finally he comes home, but we're still having conversations with specialists because of um, concerns that they have, and, and we're still going through all of that. And on November 9th, he'll be having um, two surgeries, one for his kidneys and one for um, on his head. So I'll be praying for that. But the evil day. <laughs> and on top of this, we're a brand new church. And ministry needs to be done. And the word needs to go forth. And I was asked by, by some of you, how are you doing this? Some of you asked me the question, personally. And said, how are you doing this? How are you going through this while still preaching and teaching the word? Obviously, I did have a few weeks off, and I was grateful for everyone who covered for me. But, but how, how are you coping, and how are you doing this and still shepherding us, and how are you doing it? And I really gave no profound answers. I gave no profound answers because I really didn't know what to say because if I'm honest, I really didn't feel like I did anything. I'm not trying to be 
humble, but I really didn't feel like I did anything. But this is it right here in Ephesians chapter 6. Listen to me. If you have this armor on, then when the evil day comes, you will have nothing to do but stand. Amen. If you have this armor on, then when the evil day comes, you will have nothing to do but stand. And the shield of faith, which we will talk about today, will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and make you look good. The armor has very little to do with you, but it's about, it's about the armor. If your armor, listen very carefully to me, if your armor is on, pay close attention, if your armor is on, if you are wearing the armor, then you will be prepared and ready whenever that evil day comes. And you will not be a nervous wreck when the evil day comes. It's, it's too late for you to try and put your armor on once the wiles have already been unleashed and once the arrows have already been released. It's too late to scramble and try to put the armor on. This section of scripture is about preparation. It's about being ready before the evil day comes so that when the evil day comes, you'll be able to stand. Amen? Amen? And for some of us, the evil day will keep on coming. But I promise you that there will always be grace in between the evil days, and there will always be grace to get through the evil day. The evil day is not a 24-hour period. The evil day, for some, may be a week. For some, may be a month. For some, may be a season. But stand firm. And you will be able to give your testimony at the end. Today we land upon verse 16, and we will dwell here, Ephesians 6, and verse 16. Turn there in your Bibles. Ephesians 6, and verse 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Amen? Okay, so we've spoken about three pieces of the armor already. We've spoken about the belt of truth. We've spoken about the breastplate of righteousness. And we've spoken about the, our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shoes. And now we're getting ready to speak about the fourth piece of armor. But before we speak about this fourth piece of armor, the shield of faith, I want you to notice the, the shift here in the wording as we get to the fourth piece. There's a shift. This is now the introduction to the second part of the armor for the believer. There is a slight distinction made between the first three pieces of armor and the remaining pieces of armor. The difference between the two sections of armor are marked by the words having and taking. The difference between the two sections of armor, the distinction is made between the words having and taking, and you can see it there in your Bibles. The first three parts of the armor speak specifically about having. The first three parts of the armor speak specifically about having. Look at verse 14. Having girded your waist with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And verse 15 having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The first three pieces of armor were passive, 
in the sense that the soldier, he was always wearing these pieces of armor. He always had these pieces on. Every soldier always had these three pieces on. He always had on his, his boots, the belt, and the breastplate. Always. But when the actual call for battle came, then the soldier would be called to take up. When the actual call for battle came, then the soldier would be called to, all right, now, take up your shield. Take up your helmet. And take up your sword. Look at verse 16. Above all, taking. There's a shift. Taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Having is to do with what you have and what you know about what you have. Hence, the belt we spoke about. I, I know and trust the truth of God's word. The breastplate of righteousness. I am already righteous. This has been imputed onto me. I am already righteous because of Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ and the gospel shoes. I am at peace with God, through the gospel that has come to me. These things I know, the first three, and I have received. Having is to do with what you have and what you know about what you have. However, taking up requires more action on your part. This is now a call to action for you. It's a call to action. And now you're required to do something. This is action time for the soldier. The the battle has begun. The, The first three pieces were about preparation and about knowing. And now the next pieces of the armor are more about the action and engaging in the battle. First, we are prepared. And second, we are engaged. We are prepared and then we are engaged. Ephesians 6 and verse 16, Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Above all, does not mean here, above all. Look at the words above all. It does not mean here that this is the most important piece of armor. That's not what it's saying here, even though it is very, very, very important and a very significant piece of armor. But above all actually means here on top of, or in addition to, or in all circumstances. So, in other words, on top of, in addition to the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, take up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So in addition to, or in all circumstances. The first three pieces of armor are to be worn. And now this is the first piece of armor, the shield that is to be carried or wielded and not worn. The first three pieces are to be worn, And now this is the first piece that is to be carried or to be wielded is the shield. So we're talking today about the shield, also known as the Romans would say the scutum. Now this was not a little um, frisbee-sized shield. This wasn't even a Captain America size shield. Right? This, this kind of shield here was, um, was a large scutum. And it was four feet, by, four feet by two and a half feet. 
It was, a, it was like a small door. It was four feet by two and a half feet. It weighed around 22 pounds and was four inches thick. The shield was probably Celtic in origin and was made of two layers of wood glued together with ox glue. Then the first layer would be covered in linen and then it would be covered again in leather. And then the, the upper and, and lower parts of the shield or the rim of the shield was reinforced with iron. This was no joke shield. This was a curved shield that could easily stand on the ground and you could pull up a lawn chair behind this shield and sit down and get your entire body behind this shield. And it would protect every part of your body and keep you safe. Now, in, in warfare, in, in Roman times, it wouldn't be uncommon for a wife to say to her husband, make sure that you come back with your sword, with your shield, excuse me, and not on your shield. It wasn't uncommon for her to say that. Make sure that you come back with your shield and not on your shield because they would use these shields as a tool to pick up and carry the deceased bodies after battle. That's how large the shield and how strong the shield was. All of the pieces of armor are worn for your protection, for your own protection. But the shield here serves as a double purpose. It not only serves for your protection, but it serves for the protection of the entire army. Overlapping shields were very common, and it allowed soldiers to be able to advance together in unison. The, the devil's missiles are described as fiery in this text. And many times in, in ancient warfare, arrows and spears and other missiles were coated in pitch and they were set alight. Then at the beginning of the battle, there would be a barrage of these fiery darts or arrows that would come towards the enemy. And these arrows would be fired in unison with the hopes of killing or wounding or disabling or breaking up the ranks of the army. But when the soldiers stood firmly together in unison, when they put their shields together, it was a wonderful sight to behold. Wonderful imagery as the entire army was covered and protected by one another's shields and by everyone doing their part. And as the flaming fiery darts would come, they would have no impact. And by the way, they would also, they would dip their, their shields in water. They would drench their, they would soak their shields in water before battle to prepare for the fiery darts that would come right at the beginning of battle. So that when it would hit the shield, it would be extinguished. It reminds me here, this imagery of Deuteronomy 32, that with the Lord on our side, one can put a thousand to flight, but two can put ten thousand. We're a lot stronger together than we are alone. A lot stronger together. We can do so much more together than we can alone. And Satan desires to isolate us from the church. He desires to isolate us. And that's why this season that we're in is a bit challenging for the church because it's also allowed and given Satan an opportunity for him to be able to easily isolate and attack the believer. That's also why this season is so 
challenging. There's, there's very little accountability in this season among churches. There's less accountability than there's ever been before in this season. I really can't tell anyone to come to church because I don't know their situation. So while before I'd be encouraging people in, in this season, I, I'm silent because I don't know your situation. And there's very little accountability in this season. And with that, you know, being said, you know, I know that there are people who, who need to be at home right now. I understand that and I respect that and should be at home right now. But at the same time, I'm also aware that there are people who could be in church. I'm not ignorant of, 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 of that truth. There are people who need to be at home and should stay home. But there are also people who, who could be gathering with the saints but choose not to. One blessing of being a part of a church and a family is that when you're weary, that we can, we can help each other. We can put our shields together. When you don't have the strength to carry your shield, we can help you carry your shield. And we can bring our shield alongside your shield and help cover you from the wiles of the evil one and from the flaming fiery darts of Satan. That was a a beautiful image that we had up on on the screen, and that is the church, that you are not alone, and that there is no weapon fashioned or formed against you that will be able to prosper against the shield of faith. Amen? Amen? Notice the end of verse 16 here. The fiery darts of the wicked one. This is a direct reference to Satan himself. We are fighting against Satan and we're fighting against his forces. We're not fighting against an an impersonal um, force of evil. But we are fighting against Satan himself and his forces. But here's the thing, the shield of faith. It is guaranteed the shield of faith will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the evil one, of Satan himself. So even even Satan himself, because many times it may be demons coming against you, but the Bible is saying here, Satan himself, the, the, the head and chief of this demonic army, if he himself comes against you and attacks you, the Bible says the shield of faith that you hold, that you wield, will be able to quench all of his fiery darts. Amen? Amen. So stand behind the shield. So stand behind the shield. The shield offers double protection. You already have on a belt, a breastplate. You have on boots. We'll get to it next week, but you have on a helmet. So you, so you already have protection, but the shield offers double protection. And this is our best defense. The shield that you have is impenetrable. The shield of faith. These flaming darts of the evil one, they come to kill, steal, and to destroy. That is their purpose. And you cannot, my friends, handle these flaming fiery darts by yourself, by your own will, by your own wisdom, by your own strength. You cannot handle these flaming fiery darts. You can't. You're no match for them. But God has given you a shield. 
to hold firm in its position. And the shield will work on your behalf when you hold it and when you take your rightful position. But you cannot do it by yourself. Can a man take fire into his bosom and not be burned? Absolutely not. You need the shield of faith. Question for you, does the devil have, does Satan have any kind of big nuclear tip missile that you believe can in any way penetrate the shield of faith? Is there anything that he has? Is there anything that he can release that can penetrate this shield of faith? And I hope the answer is no. As I said, the shield of faith is impenetrable and there's nothing that he can unleash towards you that will cause the shield to not do its job. You know, Satan also has a, an unlimited arsenal of, of wiles and arrows that he can form and fashion against you. And I was tempted today to, to list some of those fiery darts. But I decided to take the shortcut, as the Apostle Paul did, and just say all. All the fiery darts, whatever they are. All the fiery darts that come against you, the shield of faith will be able to quench those fiery darts. Satan has a lot that he can unleash, but nothing that he does is a match for the shield of faith. But I can't help but say one of his arrows, at least, just, just one. Can't help it. But one of his arrows is, did God say? That's just one of his arrows. Did God say that? Causing you to question and doubt God's word. Now, God wants us to take up the, the shield of faith, I believe, in, in three areas. God wants us to take up this shield of faith in three areas. Number one, faith in salvation. Number two, faith and confidence in the war itself that you're going to get through it. And number three, faith in his promises. And I've shared quite a bit about faith in the past and we will speak about faith in the future. But today I'll be, I'll be, brief, I'll be brief in these three. So number one, faith in salvation. Let's look at faith in salvation. So we're taking up the shield of faith when we trust the gospel to shield us from Satan's lies. We're taking up the shield of faith when we trust the gospel to shield us from Satan's lies. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul speaks about the gospel in which the Ephesians believed by faith. And he speaks about their love for all the saints. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul speaks to speaks about the gospel which the Ephesians believed by faith, and he speaks about their love for all the saints. In Ephesians chapter 2, he reminds the Ephesians that they have been saved by grace through faith. And then in chapter 3, Paul prays for the believers in Ephesus that Christ would dwell in their hearts through faith. And now in chapter 6 of Ephesians, he's telling the same believers that it is this faith, it's this faith that you've believed in, that you've trusted in, that you've hoped in, that dwells richly in your hearts. It is this faith in which you believed and have been saved. It is this faith by which Christ dwells richly in your hearts. He says it is this faith that is a shield that will protect you from everything that Satan throws at you. It's this Faith. Faith in salvation. Confident that He has saved you and that no one can snatch you out of His hands. This faith in salvation. Number two is faith and confidence in the midst of the war or the battle. 
knowing that God is with me. We, we briefly mentioned last week and we said, you know, how do you fight against a man that believes that God is with him? How do you fight against a man who believes that, man, when he goes out to fight, God fights for him and with him? That's a dangerous individual that believes that God is on their side. So faith and, and confidence in the midst of the war, that no weapon formed or fashioned against me shall be able to prosper. And, and Psalm 91, though a thousand may fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, no evil shall befall me. I, I understand people are dying. I understand that I can see it. But as for me, my faith and confidence is in the Lord. And He fights for me and He's with me. So I understand people are dying. I can see that. But my faith and trust and confidence is in Him. And David said, I will not be afraid of the arrow that flies by day, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. He says, I won't be afraid of the arrows. I understand the arrows are destroying them, but not me. Because I'm standing firm, knowing that God is with me. If God is for us, who can be against us. When, when someone has, when a man has this, this mindset, a man or a woman has this mindset in, in, in all that they do, man, if God is for me, who can be against me? If God is for me, I don't care who is against me. It makes no difference because God is for me. This produces confidence in the war. And again, I want to remind you, right? I'm, I'm speaking today about you. You are in the middle of a spiritual war. You are, personally. You are. And I want to remind you to have faith that God is with you. When you know that He's with you, it changes everything. God is with you. David said, I do not trust in my bow. He says, my sword does not bring me the victory. He was a mighty man. He was a mighty warrior. And even David said, even though I'm skilled and I'm trained, he said, I don't trust in my bow. And my own sword doesn't bring me the victory. And the Bible also speaks about the, the, the horses prepared for battle. But deliverance comes from the Lord. So, my confidence in this battle, my confidence in this war is in Him. And it's in the fact and the truth that God is with me. And in that, I rest. And in that, I take great, great confidence. Amen? Amen. And finally, number three, faith in His promises. When we take up the shield of faith, I believe God wants us to have faith in salvation. He wants us to have faith in the midst of the, the war. And He wants us to have faith in His promises. In Hebrews chapter 11, we read about the heroes of faith. And some call this the, the biblical hall of fame. But we read about the heroes of faith. And it's an amazing chapter that encourages and stirs up faith in every area. But we're just going to read from verse 30 to verse 40 today. So turn there in your Bibles, Hebrews 11, 30 through 40.
By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she received the spies with peace. Verse 32, and what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets. Verse 33, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had a trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us. In Hebrews 11, we have a people that had heard of the promises of God to come, the promises that we now stand in, the promises that we now walk in. And they had heard of these things. And just, and just the hearing of these promises caused these people to stand firm in faith. They didn't see it, the Bible said. They just heard about it. And they, and they gave their lives unto, unto death because they believed the promise that they had heard. They, they trusted God's word. They trusted His promises. And they all died in faith. Again, not seeing the promise. Because it was before their time. How much more you and I, who have seen the promise... We haven't only heard about it. We haven't only heard of the Messiah. We haven't only... We know Him personally. He lives and dwells on the inside of us. How much more should you and I stand and believe in the promises of the Lord? When I look at these men and women of faith and the way that they responded again, to something that they didn't even fully partake of. And I see the way they lived their lives of faith. I'm telling you that they put the American church to shame today. They put us to shame. God is faithful. And Mark 11:22 calls us to have faith in God. Have faith in Him. Have faith in God. Hebrews 11.6 tells us that without faith it is impossible to please Him. Impossible to please Him. And as we come to God, we must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. We know that Abraham was called the father of our faith. And he was a man, too, who, who was his example. But he heard God's word and he obeyed it. We have millions of examples of faithful people. And we have hundreds recorded in the Bible. But we have so many examples of faithful people. 
But Abraham, he just heard God's word, he trusted him, and he moved in faith. And he followed the Lord. He's called the father of our faith because he just believed God at his word. That's it. Just straight up believing God at his word. He said it, I believe it. Let's do it. Romans 4, 21 speaks about being fully persuaded. That we are to be fully persuaded that God has the power to do what he's promised. That we can stand in the promises of God and that we are to be fully persuaded, fully, that God is able to do what he has promised. Amen? So number three, as I said, is faith in his promises. In my conclusion here this morning, victory is, is not about, and victory does not come from the acknowledgement of the shield. Victory doesn't come because I acknowledge the shield. Victory is not won by the admiration of the shield. Victory is not won by the celebration and the thankfulness for the shield. I'm so thankful that I have a shield. No, but victory is only won by the taking up of the shield. You can admire it, you can praise it, you can be thankful for it, but if you don't take it up, then it will profit you nothing. You are called to take up, you are called to action with this one. It's battle time. And when it's battle time, you already have on your boots, your breastplate, your belt, and when it's battle time, you reach over and you grab that shield. You soak it in the water and you say, let's go. It's, it's battle time. Victory is only won by the taking up of the shield. And let me say this, you will never know how solid your foundation is until the wind starts to blow and the waters begin to rise. You will never know how solid your foundation truly is until the wind blows and the flood waters rise. And it's only during that time that you truly begin to understand without deception what your house is made of and what your faith rests upon. The, the evil day will reveal a lot to you. The evil day will reveal a lot to you about your faith. It will reveal a lot to you about your position and about your shield and about your faith. The evil day will reveal many things to you. the evil day. Let's stand up. For some people, the, the evil day comes and they abandon the church. But that's not the worst. For some people, the evil day comes and we, many of us know people like this, but for some people the evil day comes and they abandon the Lord. The evil day comes and they have questions. And they're upset and they're angry with God because of what they're going through, because of the evil day, and they turn and walk away from the Lord. Many of us know people like that. I know people like that. Who, because of a season that they went through, they walked away and abandoned their faith in the evil 
て。First three pieces of the armor. I call the the casual pieces of the armor. These are the pieces that we walk around in all the time. But then the next three pieces of the armor is more intentional on taking specific action for the battle. So today we spoke about the shield of faith. Which will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Let's pray. Father, I pray for the church today. I pray for those who are with us online, and I pray for those who are with us here in person. And I pray, Lord God Almighty, as you prayed, as you prayed for Peter, and you said, "I pray." That in that day your faith will not fail. I pray, as Jesus said to Peter, I pray that in that day your faith will not fail. Father, I pray for my church this morning. I pray for the Way City Church, and I pray, Lord God Almighty, that. In the evil day, that their faith will not fail, but that they that they would remain strong and stand firm behind the shield of faith. That they are confident in you, confident in their salvation. That they are confident that you will see them through the battle, and that you will see them through. The war, and that they are confident in every promise that you make for them, and that you have told them. Father, I thank you for everyone that's here today, and everyone that's with us online. I pray that their faith would be strengthened. You've given to all of us a measure of faith, and Father, I pray, Lord God Almighty, that faith would continue to grow as your word is continually spoken. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that faith would be exercised, that faith would be used, that faith would cause us to stand. We love you, Father. We bless you. We magnify your name, and we thank you so much for the pieces of armor that you have given to us in this spiritual battle. And it looks to me, Lord, like you really. Have set us up to win. That you've set us up to be to be victorious in every single battle. It seems like with the armor that we have, that we are over prepared for the war. So I thank you for the pieces of armor that you have made available to us, Father. And we choose and desire to be faithful stewards. And to wear in faith the armor that you have given to us, Father, I pray for anyone online or here that doesn't know you. And Father, I pray that this morning that they would bow their heads, that they would humble their hearts, and I pray, Lord, that they would recognize, Lord, that they are losing this battle. That they are in the process of death, that they are dying, and that today is grace for them, and that today is the day of salvation for them. That if they would no longer have confidence within themselves, but have confidence within you and the armor that you've given to us, that they would have faith that only you can save. Father, I pray that they would see themselves today as sinner and separated from you. But I pray, Lord God Almighty, that they would see Jesus as the one who restores, as the one who saves, as the one who draws near. And I pray, Lord, that they would be able to have confidence in you and trust in you, in your blood and in your sacrifice. That was not for yourself, 
but was for them. And I pray that they would trust in you this morning and ask you to cleanse them from all of their sins. And Father, as your word tells us in Romans, that if we would just call upon you, that you will save us. For all who call upon you shall be saved. So Father, I pray that as they heard your word today, I pray that they would be inclined to call upon you. And I thank you that you are ready and willing to save them. We love you, Father. We bless you and we thank you for this time. And we give it into your hands in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. We'd love to hear from you. Visit us at thewaycitychurch.org.